So true story, this actually happened. Um, about 72 hours ago, I saw uh, Leonard Skinner play Freebird at Margaritaville Fest in Tampa. You are kidding. I swear to God. There's a lot to unpack there. Uh, I know. I know. On. You can die now, basically. I mean, somebody can. Well, it's Ronnie Van Zandt's <laughs> like, little brother, like who's uh, probably now 60-something. Oh, yeah. So. No. Do you get... St- I mean, I guess it's still a little brother if you're in your 60s, but... There's so much to that uh, initial statement that's unbelievable. Yeah, so I was at a thing in St. Petersburg this past weekend, and... Uh, and I have some friends in Tampa, and I just shot them a note, and they and it was like nine thirty, and they were like, "By the way, if you get a cab and get over here, we have a VIP ticket for you to come to Margaritaville Fest." And I was like, "What is that even?" You didn't and tell so, me it was VIP. Yeah, yeah. So they, so anyway, so I, so I, uh, I, I just book it over to this, you know, parade of olds <laughs> that's happening in in Tampa. But I'll be damned if I didn't walk right in in the middle of the extended like. Uh, Forrest Gump part of the uh, guitar solo. <laughs> anyway, it was quite something. It was oh, a check no. up. Yeah, was like uh, when Jenny's like doing a bunch of coke and like almost kills herself. Or yeah, something. I was like, yeah. I was like, well, if this isn't the most SEC country experience I've ever had, right. I don't know what could possibly top it. Well, and I, I had a so. I had a similar thing at at Jazz Fest last month. Oh yeah, yeah. of course. I saw uh, saw Elvis Costello. And he's he's now fat Elvis Costello. Elvis oh Costello, no, so. did we, we'll we'll probably talk about your fat uh, fat stage of of rock stardom. I swell, and I and I will have to. We'll, I won't go down this uh, sidebar yet, but I will invoke the uh, Lover Boy concert. I, I saw. knew you were going there because Mike Reno ate Mike Reno. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah. that. Uh, whatever he had the Chris Farley jacket on. Anyway, as, re- as regards uh, Leonard Skinner, uh, they're from the Panhandle of Florida, by the way. Like, they, yeah, they come off as. I real mean, they seem comfortable south and like that. Yeah, but so is was the Tom deep Petty. South. I mean, yeah. Uh, where is uh, he was from the Panhandle? He was. Where is uh, University dead. of Florida? No, not Tom Petty. I'm I'm sure I could figure that one out. Yeah. Uh, well, we've got a Gainesville. lot to cover. We do. We have got. Right. We got a lot to cover. Let's get into it. Uh, I'm Kevin. Ryan. I'm Mark. This is somebody likes it. <laughs> Worth also noting that um, this is kind of interesting. Uh, there's a new Norm Macdonald special. Oh, uh, Netflix. A thing that he. Taped but never put out. Yeah, nothing, nothing spe- called nothing special, and it's literally yeah. I, I think it is, and I haven't seen it yet. But um, is it the nothing special or is it? No, it's, I mean I don't know. Like it is, it's a very um, Norm Macdonald title, but it's yeah. basically him working on jokes. I suspect it's something special, but I I haven't seen it yet. Well, so. the basically the gist is that uh, it's him working on a bunch of jokes. I don't think it's with oh an like audience. an apartment or something at home. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and then at the end, there are a bunch of uh, comedians. It's like whatever, I think. Spade, Who's who? Spade and Chappelle yeah. and Letterman and a bunch of others and Conan O'Brien who are who uh, who kind of give their norm take on that recording after it's over. So anyway, it's like you, you get your you get your show and you get a review like several reviews. I Interesting. Guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm getting all tingly about that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so that's that's all I have is uh, Leonard Skinner and, uh, and Norm a new Norm record. Uh, that's a great yeah, bill. Well, yeah. thanks for yeah. coming out yeah. uh, night, for everybody. this episode, everybody. No, so we're gonna so this go around. Um, anything else? I mean, a couple people died. 
we a always few, a few people died. Sure. Um, Ray Liotta died. Oh, that's He's right. He's one. Yeah. Ryan's favorite movies. Um, uh, one of Ryan's favorite movies. I know Field of Dreams, but uh, also no, the in, other one. Yeah. <laughs> Goodfellas. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, also, uh, Andy Fletcher from Depeche Mode, the keyboardist. That's true. That's right. He passed away this past week. I went to um, Elysium last night and requested Shake the Disease, and oh, they well, played it and everything. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Alan White, uh, the drummer for Yes. Oh, no. Is now a no. Uh, yeah, exactly. We saw that coming a mile away. So, uh, so difficult as it may be to uh, pivot from celebrity death news, we're here today to talk about uh, the T Rex record, well, electric he's a celebrity, and he's also dead. So yeah, also, like, those things true. are also true. We're not really pitting. so. Yeah, so so here's the thing. This is one of those albums. I kind of can't believe that we've done this show for this long and we've never covered. I this can't record. believe like, that it took me like 35 years to know how amazing this band is. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's crazy. It's messed up. Yeah. I, I'm retroactively pissed uh, at Z107 in Houston. Oh, sure. Uh, at Robert Palmer. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, I think that's justified. Yeah. Like, uh, the first note I'd ever heard from this band was a cover of... Uh, a, a not as good cover. Bang a gong or get it on. I can't remember yeah, which yeah. one's it in on. parentheses, but get it on, yeah. Uh, by Power Station, uh, fronted by Robert Palmer. And, like, you know, at the time I was like, I don't know, 11, 12? And like, I thought I was fine. Like, you know, whatever. And then Pretty later, girls in the video. Yeah. Then later, like the only song that would ever get played on classic rock radio in Houston was uh, "Get It On," and so I was like, "Oh yeah, that's good." And then later on, like uh, it like skipped a generation. Like Generation X got got screwed on T Rex. <laughs> I don't know how. Yeah. But like uh, the people who are like in the next one, like the millennials, love T Rex. Yeah. And I think it's one of these like um, the internet. Isn't it Gen Z? Probably them too. <laughs> uh, but like you know, the the internet having a voice, like you know, just coalesced around this great band. Yeah. That uh, the you know the the gatekeepers in the seventies in America were just like I don't know uh, too campy or something. I have no idea. Like, it's amazing. Yeah. So and one of the things that so when I when I walked in here, Mark had Mark had one of the tracks uh, playing, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but. Um, we were, Mark, you said to me, this is the first time in a while that I have a lot of notes. I do. Handwritten notes. Yeah. So anyway, but the point, the point being is that um, this is another one of these albums that, uh, and acts that influenced a lot of other acts yes. that have come yes. to do, to, to be remarkable in their own right. And uh, it's amazing how you can listen to this album straight through and you can pick out who those acts are. I tell that story a lot about going to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame where they would, you know, do the, it would be like a snippet of a band and then, and then a snippet of another band that was influenced by that band and you could clearly hear the thread. Yeah. And I can only imagine, I did not find the, the T-Rex section of that, that installation, but had I, I feel like that would have so been a whole who, Christmas So who would tree. you uh, say, like, directly? I mean, I think Guns N' Roses uh, is one. I um, mean... Sure. Like, and I mean, the, like anybody that was, uh, so it's like, I think that there's a, there's a subset that is a little bit of the trashy hair movement. Like, uh, yeah, no, it was, they founded like, glam. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and I say they like, they like T-Rex really is Mark Bolin. 
right. and whoever he had around him at the time. Right. I mean, it was uh, it was fairly consistent. Uh, I think they were a duo up until this record. They, they were, were a duo. They were a duo, yeah. they were a duo through the um, the record through the folk this. years. Yeah, they were Tyrannosaurus Rex. Right, and that was just a duo, just him on acoustic. That was guitar all like Prelude. They were like playing AAA ball or something at that point, and they emerged. I mean, they had some hits even as Tyrannosaurus Rex. And, really, and they actually had a, a really strong fan base that then were Got upset when he became T-Rex. Oh, it was like a, the Newport Folk Festival where it's, they went electric. Yeah. As soon as he picks up out. an electric guitar, all of these people To me, like I was like, why would you do anything else? Like, you're very good at the electric guitar and, like, that distortion and stuff. It was that, a great evolution of his yeah. talent. Yeah, so um, I, I want to s- sort of semi-start by saying my favorite T-Rex song is not on this record. Like my, I was telling Mark when I came in here, I was like, I like is 20th, it 20th, 20th century, century boy? boy is my favorite. I knew it's it. my, it's my jam, but, uh, this is his seminal that, you know, the, the seminal work of that act. And I was like, you really have to start. It's kind of like, it feels like when we did modern lovers or we did, you know, like, or whatever. Uh, yeah. Like Iggy and the Stooges, uh, any of that stuff that feels foundational. Like yeah. it's like, this is where somebody lit the match and then it burned wherever it burned, and it affected who it affected, and and we moved forward. But it was this record that started it all. And uh, anyway, he just seemed uh, content or, or like restless enough to, and and it just frankly, in a weird way, this is kind of the wrong way to put it. It kind of helps his legend that he died at 29. I was thinking the same thing because it's like you're he's sort of right in this sort of creative Roman candle stage. And he was a contemporary of Bowie. In fact, I did come across a really crazy article about how they had the same manager before they broke with their teenagers. And they met like, yeah. painting his wall, painting his walls. And I was yeah. like, what the fuck kind of contract is that? Like, yeah. that's insane. Anyway, um, but yeah, they and and that they used to go uh, shopping in the dustbins of uh, the yeah. fashion section yeah. of of London, where they would just they yeah. they, they were doing that that section of that industry was doing so well that it's like if a button fell off of something, they would just throw the whole shirt out, and so these guys would go digging through the trash and find their outfits and whatever. Uh, this is so goofy. There's a um, there's a site called Good Funeral Guide in the UK that just covers like celebrity deaths and whatnot, and um, and the headline was, did Mark Boland predict his own death? And no I didn't kidding. realize he, that he, he wouldn't died. drive. Well, like he had owned a bunch of cars, but he would never drive. Anyway, go, go ahead. ahead. He died a month after Elvis. And when Elvis died, he was like, well, thank God I didn't die today because that guy would have stolen my headlines. And then he <laughs> died and he was the big story that anyway, when you see the uh, the mini that he was in. Yeah, that car was not made with safety in mind, my friend. It was even minier. It was, yeah, yeah. And uh, he was not a tall man. Like I think he was like he was uh, five four, something like that. There, there's a lot to unpack with this this album. I'd like to go through it some more, but I think let's uh, let's get in and play something right away. Why don't we start with the opening track? Let's do Mambo Sun. <laughs> Sun. I got to be the one 
Okay, so how have, have either of you guys seen Apple TV's eight-part documentary, 1971, the year that music changed everything? I have not. Uh, I, I have I not. Definitely need to. Oh yeah. No, I will. I've I think watched. I still have your password, so I'll get on that. Oh sure. Okay. Well, I'm in the middle of it, so don't screw it up for me. But um, anyway, there's an article that came out in a magazine called Forward Magazine that I I thought was really. This little bit cracks me up. It says, on a drab looking, so it says, one of the many memorable moments in Apple TV's eight-part documentary is a particular segment in episode three, Changes, that may be my favorite. On a drab looking British TV chat show from 1971, adults ponder, or, uh, adult pundits and teen guests argue over whether there should be sex education in UK schools. The kids are very much in favor of it, with one 15-year-old boy who looks 12 specifically requesting information on various sexual positions, <laughs> while their arguments are intercut with period footage of a milk pot suggestively boiling over on a stove. Throughout it all, T-Rex's sultry mambo son plays in the background like a conga-fueled call to hot hips on hips action. So, anyway, the point is, this guy goes on to say the song is a wonderful choice for the segment, and not just because of its massively seductive groove. Fifty years ago this fall, I don't remember when this article was written, he said those very same teens and many thousands of their peers would have first experienced Mambo Sun as the opening track of Electric Warrior, an album that turned T-Rex leader Mark Bolin into the biggest rock star in Britain since the Beatles, spearheaded, spearheaded the glam rock movement, and tossed a refinery's worth of petrol on the fire of the sexually charged teenage hysteria that Fleet Street dubbed T-Rex to see. That's a lot. Uh, it is a lot. Up. It is a lot. You know, and uh, underscores like how they just didn't get over uh, in the U.S. like they did in England. Like apparently they were just like massive. Uh, and like I blame the gatekeepers. Like I, oh sure. I don't know if it's like a feather bow or something. They thought they were a little you know a fet or something, but. I can't figure it out. Because this shit's great. My, yeah, my guess is probably, there, and whatever, I was a child. Uh, like, I assume that it's, uh, some of it was probably the androgyny of that movement. And then some of it was probably just, one one other article that I read said that um, they this writer believed that they didn't land with the U.S. because the U.S. didn't understand camp. Like it is campy. It's that, campy. That, that is a hundred percent true. Yeah. And uh, yeah, a little tongue in cheek, but not you know overtly. Uh, but yeah, there is a, a a certain amount of camp to it. And I yeah, I, I I was again a small child. I wasn't even alive when this one came out. But I remember the seventies, and I don't remember there being much appreciation for camp other than probably in like the Montrose district of. Houston. Anyway, uh, this song contains the line of the lyric on a mountain range. I'm Dr. Strange for you. Yeah. Well, and so, Dr. Strange, if you uh, watch it on Spotify, is capitalized, which I know very little about comic books. But uh -huh. that's a, that's a thing, right? That's it a person. A thing. Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah, it's a character. Yeah. Anyway, it's just uh, it's funny. Anyway, I think I think as an opening salvo for that record, um, Mambo Son kind of sets the stage. Oh, it definitely does. What yes. were you saying about the guitar tone? Okay, so I, the first time I listened to this, that it gets to that little interlude guitar tone, and they do it, uh, or guitar riffs, they do it a few times, two or three times in the in the song, and I I was listening to that that tone, and I was like, it's a pedal, right? My God, well, yeah, I mean, it's a it's an they're they're putting some some effects on it. I'm not sure what it is, like compressor or something, yeah, and and little fuzz box, yeah, 
Um, but it was like really, really distinct. And I was like, that is so familiar. And what is it? And it was actually Sarah that, that, that called it out. Um, black keys. Oh yeah. Black yeah. keys. Oh, yeah. Copy that. Probably heavily tone. influenced. By Almost T-Rex. exactly. Got well, it. yeah. Now and then I it. looked it up and, and the song that I was thinking of everlasting light actually samples the bass line from this song from Mambo song. So. Okay. Yeah. No, I can hundred percent hear that. Yeah. hundred percent. That's really so, interesting. Yeah, it was, uh, their very, their, their incorporation of where they go with, with that, uh, little riff is a lot more blues inflected than this is in my opinion. But, uh, well, but I, yeah, I mean, I agree, but equal parts, but, swagger. They, but I feel like they pulled out the blues from this song, like yeah. in a way. Um, anyway, that, uh, I love this song and, you know, maybe that's part of it. Just that that um, I really well, like that I'm guitar tone. We could probably do 15 minutes on every track on this record. That's a good point. Like, uh, there's nothing that sucks. Did you know that uh, All Things Considered does a whole series where they have interns write a, write record reviews on records they've never heard before? No, but that's great. That's awesome. Yeah, it says. I this assume is a, there's one for this. It is. Yeah, they said uh, this is a recurring series in which we ask our unimaginably young interns to review classic albums they've never heard before. Our current intern at All Songs Considered is Sarah Venter, and so anyway, I'm not going to read this whole thing from from young Sarah. You have a pull quote. Uh, yeah. She just knew her mom got really excited when she heard Bang and Gong on the, on the original version of Bang and Gong on the radio, and then she goes on to say. Um, after after she uh, the producer gave her a copy of Electric Warrior, I listened to the whole thing and found it sweet, sexy, and clever. After a second or t- third time through, uh, I began waking up with tracks I had previously never heard, Planet Queen, Mambo Sun, Girl, pleasantly stuck in my head, and its subtle nuanced details began to stand out. And I do think that that's a really interesting point that she makes because you don't think of... Glam doesn't present itself as nuanced, but this record is nuanced. Like there yeah, is all kinds of It's like proto glam, though. It, it is proto glam. It got sure. all over the top and right. You know, glossy and overproduced and whatever. This yeah. is not that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's the it is the uh, flashpoint movement for uh, for for glam though. So you can sort of see when you when you move forward to. Um, Subsequent records. It's like when we covered uh, Black Sabbath. It's like, hey, heavy metal starts right around here. Right. Right. And then yeah. they went to the pub. Yeah. And I'd say with Glam, it's like New York Dolls and T-Rex. Like, there you go. Yeah. I mean, I anyway, I, I was just fascinated by, um, A, I think that's a really interesting convention. The idea that you would uh, just let the... Let the greenest people in your organization uh, just put some record reviews out. Well, I think it's awesome. It's so great. But she's so a good writer. I yeah. Mean, I, I would say that, um, you know. She got the job for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. She's, uh, she's a good intern. I hope she uh, hope she got a full-time Oh, You hope she position. moves up. Uh, let's listen to another one. Okay. So I kind of feel like we can't we can't cover this record without. We're talking about uh, Get It On? Yeah. Remember 
my buddy Peter that uh, sat in on a show uh, back in the day. Yeah. Uh, he and I were, like, opening the restaurant once. He was bartending. I was serving. And the power station version of uh, Bang & Gong, parentheses, Get It On, was on. And, like, he loved T-Rex as, as somebody younger than me who just, like, a, you know, they got the introduction in a way that we didn't. But anyway, he was like, uh, oh, man, uh, you know, why are they playing this one and whatever? And I was like, this is just disrespectful. If you know the T-Rex version, to hear the Power Station version sounds like, I don't know, just wrong. It's like, a, I mean, it's that whole thing about it, like a copy of a copy of a copy. It just degrades each time. Like, it yeah. feels like it feels like a shammy yeah. knockoff. It fe- yeah, it feels like it got copied like five times. Right. And, uh, anyway, and, and it just pains me to know that that's the first way I experienced this song, which is a very, very good song. There's a guy who um, only does the um, the like, is it the bellissimo, the pia- the piano um, slide? Yeah, that's his old. That's the only thing he does on the album. He was paid nine pounds. Yeah, yeah, that popped pounds, up in that other. Like that. What is that in U.S. in current dollars? Currently, that would be for inflation. I don't know, hundred bucks, twelve forty-seven. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. Right. I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. It is. I think. It's or maybe it was the other way. Like this is. I think this is another one of those tracks where you can really start to unpack the uh, a little bit of that swagger and the you know sort of sexiness of the of his presentation. It, and it's the, both dirty and sweet. It is both dirty and sweet. Oh, and the um, hubcap diamond star halo line oh, is yes. like is like perfect. quintessential perfect glam. <laughs> well, I was like I was like put that shit in a snow globe. And re- related but, to that. Uh, he he says you're built like a car, and I I'm not sure how many songs on this album, but he talks about cars a lot. He does talk. The about guy cars was really fascinated with cars. Owned a lot of them. Owned a lot of them. Couldn't drive one. Never right. had a license and died in one. Yeah. So, again, almost prophetic. All right. Well, should we uh, should we take a break and get into uh, a few minutes with a few minutes with? Yeah. Let's do it. I have a uh, few minutes with this week, and uh, this is okay. This song was actually at the top of my Spotify most listened to songs in both 2019 and 2021. And I would just like for you guys to guess what it is. Uh, I apparently have listened to this song a whole ton, and I wouldn't have expected that this is the one that rose to the top, but apparently I love it. Well, I already knew that. I just didn't think it would be number one. But is, is it that Rosemary Clooney number? Uh, the, uh, is it My Heart Will Go On? Oh, real close. Uh, yeah. Um, Achy Break Your Heart. No, no, yeah. Yeah. No. Not quite that. Yeah. What is it? Uh, here, you want to read it? Tell us. Tell us. Dang Me by Roger Miller? Yep. <laughs> I love that song is it, so much. Is it Dang Me or Dang Me? No, it's Dang Me. Dang Me? Dang Me. Dang Me. Yeah. All right. <laughs> we'll get into it. Okay. Why don't do they it. get a rope and hang me? Yep. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, here I sit high, getting ideas. Ain't nothing but a fool to live like this. Out all night and running wild. A woman sitting home with a month old child. Dang me. Dang me. They ought to take a rope and hang me. High from the highest tree. Woman, would you weep for me? Boop, 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 boop,
dudes unapologetically unironically love that song so much i mean you think you know somebody and then i was like <laughs> if you'd have given the, me the if, nook and cranny you didn't know was there no if you'd have given me all night to guess like what that like what song you're i was play, surprised yeah. i knew it would be on there yeah i did not know that it was number one yeah that's a that is the estate of, of roger miller says thank you yeah no uh, doubt or dang you <laughs> yeah it, any of those uh love the uh love the mouth uh <laughs> yeah, the mouth guitar uh, dueling solos on that is. I kind of feel like this should have been the middle in the uh, whatever that Smokey the Bandit episode. Oh no no, no. Jerry Reed. Uh, yeah. Jerry Reed yeah. occupies the same portion of my brain as Roger Miller. That was yeah. like I think they're both that brilliant and like kind of funny country, but like not yeah. stupid. Like uh, what's his nuts uh, with the streak? Oh uh, Ray, Ray Stevens. Stevens. Yeah yeah. I don't know, man. No, I this shit went to number one. It's like, clever. Yes. It's clever, a, but a not stupid. A fine line between stupid and clever. And stupid and clever. Um, all right. Well, um, <laughs> thank you. Dude, <laughs> no. <laughs> like, try to get that song out of your head, won't it? No, that's, uh, it won't. that might be the problem. Well, and I, I mentioned when we started, or right before we listened to it, that the only reason that I knew that next line was because of Robin, Robin Williams, Williams uh, yeah. Who I, I good think morning, it was Vietnam. in. Yeah, good morning. It was in Good Morning Vietnam. Yeah. yeah well, dude, hap- we, happy to help. That's uh, all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, you certainly did something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, okay, let's let's dive back into the uh, to the record at hand. Dive, we will. <laughs> So the point has been made. We're talking about uh, the T-Rex record, Electric Warrior. The point has been made that that Electric Warrior remains their that that act's most iconic album, in part because of its cover, because of the cover art. Like, have you ever like? Oh, I feel that, like that, like a shadowy amp. I, I was like, I was like, I can't imagine the cover being anything else. Yeah, like anything else. So yeah, taken from a photograph and uh, design. I can't remember the the specific designer, it but like it, was, a bar it was hypnosis. hypnosis. Yeah, it was hypnosis that did the cover. Uh, yeah, and sorry, what did you ask? Uh, no, it's like a bar relief. Uh, I don't know. It's like B A S relief. It's like a anyway. Look yeah. it up. Uh, it's yeah, a whole I mean, thing. It, negative space. Yeah. yeah, yeah, turned into a monotone image and yeah, negative space. Yeah, it's, but it does like it. It at once. I mean, it's a little campy. And it also is glammy and over the top and specifically directly the subject matter. But it's like I just I, I it felt to me like um, that's another one of those deals where it's like you and it feels like this might be what what the uh, what the bard would say is uh, someone who doth protest too much. Like maybe I'm making too big a deal about it, but that uh, that album cover isn't iconic because it's 50 years old. It's iconic because it's the perfect album cover for this record. It just looks cool. Also like that. I, I, also I don't, that. yeah, there, I don't know how to, you know, like uh, focus my thoughts more on it. It just looks cool. And especially given the time, like nothing had ever looked like that on an album cover. So I don't know. Um, I, I want to uh, circle back to the Black Keys. Um, and 
I can show you maybe during the break or something, but for our listeners, uh, go and check out the album cover for Sit Around and Miss You from the Black Keys. Oh, so Inspired? Deeply inspired. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't think of where else they, they got the idea. Yeah, I'm not kidding. Like, I feel cheated. Like, I, I don't... I, is it sad that that kind of uh, makes me happy? Not because you feel cheated, but because you're, you're discovering this record in a full-throated way like that that weird chick i dated for a year uh Alyssa, like she was all about this band and she was 26 and i was like 35 or whatever i yeah. might even been 37 uh and so she uh would always play the slider which was the record right after this I yeah believe. uh and like everybody that age like when i got back into like uh booking shows and managing bands and stuff and i'd you know taken like a 10-year hiatus or whatever uh all the all the musicians uh, from age 21 to about 27 love T-Rex. And I'm like, no, when I was that age, I think all we knew was Bang & Gong. So, yeah, anyhow. which also contains the the uh, the uh, phrasing, just like a car you're pleasing to behold, I'll call you Jaguar if I may be so bold. Which sounds like it could totally come <laughs> off of that shitty uh, South by CD that we quote all the time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, if you step to me with your bullshit, I'm going to have to ask you please to quit. Yeah, it's my favorite. I, I love it so much. But, but anyway, no, no, look, you but could, go ahead. It, I was just going to say, like, in this, you know, the, the difference is, is that Mark Boland can pull that off. Like, he can make that land. So did, did you guys listen to that uh, interview that comes at a the A little end of bit this? of it. Not all of it. I, I've listened to it a couple times. Yeah. And uh, the uh, American interviewer asks him, um, do you distinguish between poetry and lyrics? And he was like, well, yeah. Like, lyrics have to go with the melody. The melody is chief. Like, you know, like I, you know, I'm paraphrasing. But, like, the lyrics only work if they, you know, the melody, you know, like, the melody comes first, and then I put lyrics to it. Poetry is like supposed to stand on its own. Anyway, it, it sounded like he was. Well, a little... there are plenty of um, de- detractors. Is that the right word? There are plenty of distractions. There are plenty of people that do not uh, think that Mark Bolin uh, was a good poet nor a lyricist. Well, well, it's kind of the same way with like Jim Morrison, but I think he, I think he wrote way better lyrics than Jim Morrison. And there's a certain amount of like one of the things that just kept popping into my head and it's not an exactly a one-to-one analogy, but it's like, you know, how like John Lennon was always, was always comfortable with like just really goofy elliptical wordplay. Mm-hmm. That's what a lot of this feels like to me. And it's like, you know, that's how Tom York writes. I mean, is that, but it's like, and, and it's like the music it, it happens like, first. Yeah, probably and, even further, like right. Noel Gallagher. Sure, uh, of, of just, course. Yeah, things that sound good next to each other that don't mean shit. Right. I mean, is right. that part of the camp of this record? I I think so. Yeah, I mean, um, certainly, I mean, it's delivered with, like, it's delivered with a sexy snarl and, and a wink. Like, it doesn't take itself crazy seriously, but it also didn't sound like anything else at the time. And this came out before Hunky Dory, which is one of my favorite Bowie records. Mm-hmm. And you can, like... You know, we we kind of I'm just sort of beating this over the, you know, over and over again about how uh, nascent glam was at this point and the idea that he was just doing this pivot from, you know, a two man folk thing yeah, uh, into what he was to become 
Yeah, you know, I guess uh, the record before this, he was like, he didn't like it all that much, but he said it was like necessary to get to this. He was like, really, this is the first T-Rex record. Yeah, he was uh, one of these musicians that basically had his career plotted out. He knew he knew he was going to become famous. It was just a matter of yeah, how he was going to get gonna there. Going to prop up the set we'll yeah. industry. Steps. Yeah. 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 And you mentioned David Bowie, and I mean, we could do a whole episode on, probably on the relationship of Mark Bolin and David Bowie. Yeah, but but they were good friends and maybe you are uh, rivals at times. Sounds like as it. far as their their popularity, but um, well, and and uh, Bolin broke before David Bowie right. did, and so there was some. I read some. I'm, I won't be able to look this up on short notice, but it's like I read something today that was like in the very early going when when T Rex had had some modest success, but. Bowie hadn't broken yet. They would get Bowie to open, and he would do this crazy avant-garde shit. He was a mime. Shit. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. He was a mime. That's he didn't what even I, play that, music. That, he would go out there and mime. Bowie anyway, would come out and be yeah. like trying to get out of the box? Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and he would get... And, and I no, think it's it, a I box. Think it was calculated. Oh, wait. I think he's pulling a rope now. <laughs> I, think it was, I think it may have been calculated by Mark Boland because he didn't... Uh, somewhere I read that he didn't want Bowie to sing because he knew that he would... He knew that he could sing. He, he would, knew you, that he could you, sing, and he would probably out him. him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't, I never got the memo on the, um, we want, he's going to mime, and that's exactly what I want him to do. All the, the thing that I read was like, he went out and he, he did this crazy avant garde shit, and it didn't land. No. <laughs> like, but. Booed off stage, apparently. Yeah. But I think, but I also think that that's great, too, because, like, you know, sort of analogous to uh, comedians who, go out and bomb until they get better it's like stuff like you that. just have you, to go through it you just gotta well go and you it. you like, you have to wonder if mark bolin or david bowie would have reached their pinnacle without their relationship and and this this kind of tug and pull i and i you know and by that same token i think i mean this is it's it's a sort of a sweeping generalization but i don't think it hurt that I don't think I think it helped Bowie have a really long career that he saw this good friend of his in a similar space with talent get his career cut short at 29. Sure. So sure. Anyway. OK, so let's um, to that end. I know that there's a track that you want to get to, Ryan, but I'm going to play one more. Yes. Um, I want to hear when I walked in here tonight, uh, Mark was playing rip off and I was like, oh, I forgot. I totally love that song. So um, so let's let's run that one back next. I just dig the groove on that track, and uh, and it's like it, it feels to me like he's kind of parroting back things that he's heard from people who are dissatisfied with the the shift in their music or the state of the world or anything else for that matter. It's like, but he's up there swaggering and uh, and spitting it back out. In that interview, the the interviewer asked him like. Something like about like a is, is this like a response to like a middle class kids like 
trying to like uh, be something. I don't know. Read way more into it. He's like, no, like uh, when I'm talking about tramps in the park, I'm talking about like it's kind of a ripoff that they have to like sleep outdoors. <laughs> Sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. <laughs> yeah. So this album was was it was almost designed to be just a bunch of singles. Like it was recorded over the course of several months. Right. Um, some in New York, some in London, right. some in L.A. In some in L.A. Right. Um, and this uh, this particular song, uh, according to I think it was Tony Visconti that said it. The 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 guy who produced the record. Um, that this was basically just kind of like a bonus. This was something that they just threw they were in. Screwing around. Yeah, yeah. And they just they just kind of threw it in at the last minute. Um, the other thing that I've I've kind of read and and Mark Bolin, uh, the later part of his career, he he had um, he had I don't know if you would call it a variety show, but he had a show, and he would feature a lot of up and coming acts. Yeah, that's like one season or something. I, th- I think. No, I, well, maybe I, I don't. I, I don't know for sure, but I mean, like uh, Billy Idol was on there. Um, so uh, Generation X, era. Generation X, yeah, was was on there, and so he was like bringing in a lot of what would become kind of the punk scene, and um, and this song has kind of been. I'll bet it's hinted. been covered by a bunch of punk bands. It's been hinted at as oh, being like maybe influential to to punk music. Yeah, that sounds about right. Definitely a departure um, from the rest I mean, of the, the name, like, definitely describes how I feel about this band in general. Uh, I feel ripped <laughs> off that, like, uh, I spent most of my <laughs> like life not knowing how great they were. Uh, so Yeah, but that. now you got a new club in your bag. You can always swing It's it. true. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I got a brand new driver. That's right. Exactly. That's Yes. Let's do the rest of the show in golf metaphors. <laughs> yes, exactly. Or car mark metaphors. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Both drivers. Anyway, one clearly better than the other. Uh, Ryan, yes, there was a, which one of the which one of the tracks? Yeah, I was that waffling you between the two, and I, I have picked one. I'm gonna say we're not gonna play Cosmic Dancer, but listening public, do yourself a favor and listen to it for it is great. Uh, we could not get out of here without playing Jeepster because like I, that does it for me on every level. So uh, let's get into Jeepster. Okay. I don't actually know what a Jeepster is. Uh, well, how, however, go ahead. So, I mean, the only thing that I can think of, a Jeepster is a car. Like there is well, a there's, vehicle. Well, there's a, there's a no, connotation. There is a vehicle called a Jeepster. Yeah, there's a, there's a connotation about that term at that time that I, if, if what I heard is correct, is that it's kind of, it was kind of slang for a mod at that time. Okay. So, 
So yeah, I mean so, that, so that would make more sense it, than well, and it being might, a vehicle for someone's love. Well, and it might be, it might be. There's another. It's another car reference, exactly. but it's like, but I could see it being like maybe that's a car that mods would drive, and sort of mm. those terms get sort of intercommingled or Perhaps. whatever. Anyway, this this song was recorded in New York, and uh, story goes that um, that Bolin was having such a good time uh, recording it. Uh, or in that recording session that he was gyrating around the the studio, made the claim, I wish Otis Redding was alive so he could sing back up on this. Right. So I was like, that sounds like that. that would sound great. <laughs> it would sound great, but also kind of ballsy. And then apparently he split his pants. He split his pants, yeah. yeah. Hate it when that happens. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this always takes me back. There was a, like, for about six months or so, I, like, kind of managed a band called Elvis uh, that... I guess, like, their biggest claim to fame, they were on, like, a Matador compilation about the Austin AD scene. But anyway, it was like... Oh, that, a, they were good. Kind of a, yeah, kind yeah. of a punk band. Yeah. Uh, but I would uh, ride around with Brian Rowland, their singer, in his Jeep, listening to this song. And uh, I don't know. It was great and fun. Meta. And we were being Jeepsters Meta, at, yeah. at the moment. Uh, but, yeah, I couldn't let it go uh, without uh, getting that one on, on which... It's a great song, and it and it made it to number two in the UK charts. What the um, fuck, man? The the when this it what was the first is a crazy when story. it first went to number two. Um, number one, the number one song was a Slade song, because um, I love you. Which but is then, that, that would be a perfect double bill. I bet they played together. But then you would think yeah. that if anything, he would take over Slade. But no, it got usurped by Benny Hill. Yep. Yeah, and and it, the, the song Ernie and it, I mean, you. I don't think anybody that knows who Benny Hill is needs to guess. Like, it's not nearly as good as it's this. It's probably song. not as good. It can't, how could it be as good? Yeah. Anyway, guys, uh, thanks for uh, thanks for indulging me. I, um, Dude, I it's really fun to uh, swim around. No, in this no thanks needed. Uh, sometimes you'll pick something and I have to listen to it. Yeah. I got to listen to this one. Yeah. No, it's great. It's great. Um, who's got uh, Who's got the last track? Well, uh, I'm the only person left here, so yeah, it's me. Okay. Um, and um, you may know just from the text messages that I've been sending, I'm pretty excited about this one. Um, and it, it was actually in looking at other videos while producing um, the podcasts that I stumbled upon this. And um, I just, I mean, I had no idea. Uh, but uh, they are touring, and uh, this is a song by New Kids on the Block. It's called Bring Back the Time. Oh. We would hide, count the stars in the sky, and the promises we made were for life. And I know these go by, but it's something we It's not a bad song, but my but, goodness! But coupled, um, coupled with the Weird Al Yankovic video, 
that goes with that. Yeah, that that song doesn't work without the video. I, I, I'm it sorry, doesn't. that was a You're great right. video to a bad song, as far as I'm concerned. Like you like it all you want, but standalone, I like I I'm, mean, I'm, I don't know if I like a the different song. button. I, I, I definitely say that I don't think the song is bad. That video is over the top. It's like I've seen the top and that's over it. If you, yeah, if <laughs> yeah. you that's that was like a it's, here Generation X. Remember this? Right. Yeah. Like everything. It was like every giant video from the 80s uh gets a little treatment there. Anyway, it's it it is a it is a tongue in cheek um funny spin on a bunch of very familiar MTV era videos from uh what do we see there? Journey, Devo, uh, uh, Billy Idol, Billy uh, Talking Heads, Talking Heads. Talking, oh, sure. Uh, uh, Twisted Sister, Michael Jackson, Twisted Sister. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Anyway, they're they're busy. Well, uh, yeah, and, the, and their tongue yeah, is uh, firmly planted in cheek, and that's yeah. that's cool. And uh, I mean, it's new kids on the block. Yeah. yeah. Uh, old kids. It, old kids. Days. Yeah. Yeah. No old, amount of old, makeup. <laughs> so you gotta gonna totally fix that, but but. Uh, yeah, good for those guys. Go get it. Yeah, sure. Do, do your yeah. Have a little fun with it. Sure. Yeah. Like they they appear to be having fun. Uh, I mean, it's better than shooting at a Wahlburgers. So <laughs> yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> Isn't that like on the History Channel or something? Like, God, I like hope how it, every I cable hope channel on, like starts as a thing and they end up just showing like reality programs. I, I hope it's on the History Channel. Yeah, <laughs> it's like. <laughs> do you guys remember ten years ago when people are eating similar burgers well this one's been fun thanks for uh thanks again fellas and uh till next go around i'm kevin i'm ryan i'm mark this is somebody likes it